This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. Hello everyone and welcome back to Basket Case Clubs. My name's Michael Connolly and it is my pleasure to be your host for this episode. Joining me as usual on our trip down Basket Casey goodness is Steve Connolly. G'day Steve, how are you? Pretty bloody good. I've missed you though. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the intro, I was thinking, so when I do the intro this morning, gonna I'm going have... Have, to have to say, and introducing my brother as always, who will say that it's been a long time between drinks or something to that effect, <laughs> is Steve Connolly. <laughs> yeah. See, nobody would notice, Steve, that it's been a little while between episodes. Oh, yes, they would. Okay. Oh, yes, they everybody would. does. Is... They, everyone sits there rocking backwards and forwards in the fetal position, crying, saying, when will there be another episode? When will there be another episode? Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, it's kind of like we stopped mid-sentence as well, because you remember that we're in a yep. series, at the moment, a club planning series. So we've probably got people who've gone, great, let's get into it. They've done their big why. They've then thought about how to convert that to a mission and vision and value statements that aren't just those Ben and Jerry's word, words on a page type crap that so many clubs have. And then they've gone, great, what's the next step? Waiting. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen, back again, <laughs> back on the basket Casey train. They're waiting with bated breath. So does that mean that they're eating bait and then they'd have really bad breath? <laughs> what that means? <laughs> it is, do you know, it's only really recently that I actually Googled this and it won't surprise you to know that it's spelt differently <laughs> for all of our uh-huh. avid listeners from baited as opposed to baited. <laughs> but yeah, it means something that wasn't very exciting and certainly not as interesting as people eating bait. So I omitted it from <laughs> So it's B-A-T-E, right? B-A-T-E-D, yes. Probably from the same Latin root as the word abated. Well, anyway, there's something for you all to all go and look up on Wikipedia. In the meantime, we might it's have a too bit of... long, yeah, between <laughs> opportunities to talk smack and call it work. In the meantime, we might start talking about club planning again. So typically the club planning process goes a little bit different to the way that we do it. The club planning process often starts with the situational analysis. So yes, doing the, the mission, vision and values, but starting with the mission, vision and values, and you'll remember that we didn't. We started with understanding your big why and that question, why, what is our, what sort of a club are we? To really understand why we exist. Are we a, a, an elite club? Are we a performance club? Are we a community club? Are we a feeder club? Obviously we're a, a sports club, but but then where do we fit? in the marketplace. Sorry, just quickly on the knowing your why. It's interesting, not only in the world of sport, but also in the world of business, how few organizations deeply understand that. Yeah. Them, until not all that long ago, you know, when we were introduced to this idea of really uncovering why your organization exists, it's not just what you do or how you do things differently from others, but why you exist. And it's often easier to uncover that when you're in an organization that brings people together for enjoyment, i.e. a club, you know, yeah. rather than typically people's work that they might not enjoy as much as their involvement in a club because they got to do that to pay the bills, but they choose mm. to be involved in their club. And often, it, certainly through our experience, it, it, it can be far easier in a club environment, a volunteer environment to uncover why an organization exists by simply asking the people involved in the organization, why did you get involved? Yeah. And, and, and you can, those light bulb moments are, pretty frequent in planning workshops, certainly those that I facilitate, I'm sure it's the same for you, where 
you know, you only have to ask the right questions and all of a sudden people start to understand this reason that they exist a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And not only why they joined, but why they stayed, why they keep coming back. Even more important. Yeah. Uh, so you remember the saying, Steve, live life on purpose. Have you heard that? I, I don't know who it's attributed mm -hmm. to to begin with. But it makes perfect sense in this context as well, because if you do run a club or a business, as you say, that isn't on uh, with a very clear purpose in mind, you might be successful, but you're typically going to be successful sh for a short amount of time. You're far better off having clarity over why it is that you exist. So what it is that you're trying to achieve, not just what it is that you're trying to do. And that's what we talked about, the difference between what's written in your constitution in the objects or objectives and the, the big why statement. But if you're clear on that purpose, then you're more likely to be successful over the longer term. If you if you overcome that, what is it, the, the five-year hiccup for small businesses and certainly startup clubs are exactly the same. Yep. If you make it through that time, then there's a very good chance that you've made it through because you're not just in it to make a buck. You're in it and you're not necessarily just in it to win premierships in the world of sport. You're in it because you understand what sort of a club that it is that you are. Mm. Mm. It, it works really well as well and something that we'll no doubt talk about in the future when we talk about volunteering again and more is I like the saying to then amend it and say volunteer on purpose because yeah. if you know the purpose, your purpose for volunteering, you know why you volunteer, why you, what you want to get out of it and it's not the words that you see in the Volunteering Australia material that say it's time to give back uh it's a prerequisite for something else it's i i do this because of the smiles on the kids faces when they come off the field that's why i do it yeah so then we turned that into which we we tried to turn that into meaningful statements of vision mission and values then typically what and, and often often planning processes will start there they'll start by trying to wordsmith some crap bloody statement mm -hmm. about mission steve should it be to foster or pr foster and promote or shouldn't we have promote and foster because isn't the promotion more important than the fostering like seriously <laughs> I, love, so, I, I, I love so sincerely the voice that comes out of you when you're portraying <laughs> a discussion during a planning session <laughs> Devoid of our facilitation, you know, because that I'm sure that's the implication. <laughs> if you have a planning session that doesn't involve CPR group, you're going to have people speak like this. <laughs> uh, I seriously sat in a meeting once, Steve, where one dude debated with himself standing at the whiteboard the difference between a key performance yep. indicator and a performance indicator. indicator. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Like, God. Yeah, but you're right. And it's the, the semantics, the, the, um, I must have been yeah, on an hourly rate basis for that job, hey, to sit there. <laughs> Happy to just sit there listening. Rather yeah. than just grab You got this, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're right. That that oh, that frustrating cyclical, you know, round and round discussion about semantics, the wording of our mission statement, our, you know, vision or values. It is yeah. it it's it's a waste of people's time. Yep. It is. Yeah. So don't do it. Then typically what 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 the process will flow to next is the situational analysis. So having a look at where we are and only from then saying, okay, so this is where we are. Where do we want? There was that voice again. <laughs> where we are, where do we want to get to next? The, the where we are is kind of a statement of fact. So we don't need to spend too much time on that. And indeed, we'll come back to that probably next time when we talk about how we do that in the SWOT analysis. But 
I think that you're far better off right at the beginning when we've just gone, wow, so we finally realized why we're in business by setting our why. We've got some statements to, and we might not even be writing the statements yet. That might, I even suggest that that comes later. That comes after you've done your action planning. Now's the time to say, okay, where are we headed? Now, if you go back, Steve, let me take you back in our time machine. I can't make the noise of a, a flux capacitor and a flying DeLorean, so I'll just do instead. Back to November 26, 2020. So it was, a, it was a warming up day and we were still in COVID shitfulness and we were deep in our podcasts. And one of the things that had come up at that point was how how club planning should focus on dreaming big because it's so, and I think the topic, hang on, I've got it in front of me. It's better to come up short on your way to greatness than to succeed on your way to mediocrity. That was the title of that episode, episode 22. And what we talked about then was if you're going to come up with goals, why not come up with really, really big goals? And that's what we're up to now in the planning process is to, is to come up with significant goals that are going to push you. So there's three types of goals that I talk about, Steve, and you'll probably um, these will probably resonate with you. The first one are just goals that are, are what I call doable. These are things that we can do right now. We don't have to change much. We don't have to have more resources. We don't need to be more resourceful. We can just do this stuff. It's stuff that we've already got the capacity and the, and the resources to do. We've just got to not suck. We've just just, just pretty all, much. Isn't it? If we're already not sucking, keep not sucking. Yeah. <laughs> Keep not I'd, sucking. I'll keep applying the, uh, the technical terms. The vernacular. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, the technical terms. Thank you for that. Keep not sucking. The next one is what is commonly known as a stretch goal. And typically that's where people end. But uh, there's one more on top of that that we, we pushed towards in episode 22. And I can't remember if we used this terminology because I didn't do my homework. <laughs> Sorry, teach. I didn't do my homework. I didn't go back and listen to episode 22 again. Um, but hopefully I still talk, talk the same shit that I did all two and a half years ago. Um, so number two is, is the stretch goal. So the stretch goal is something that, okay, we can do this, but we're going to have to push ourselves. So we're going to have to get more resources or we're going to have to be more resourceful or we're going to have to build our cap capability or our capacity somehow to be able to do that. But there's really no question that you can do it. The third one goes beyond that, and it's kind of a stretch goal on steroids, it, and it's what I call a possible goal. So possible means, okay, that that is possible for somebody to do because I've seen a club do that or I've seen a business do that. We can't do it. We just don't have the people. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't, we don't have the know-how to do that. But somebody else has done it. That makes it possible. So the, the question that, I, again, I'm probably um, speaking truthfully here, the, the question that I, uh, sorry, the situation that I probably went back to in episode 22 was talking about a soccer association where I'd quizzed them at the start of the year and said, okay, so how many members have you got? And I think they said 270. I said, okay, so what's your target for membership? And they said, um, 275. 300. <laughs> 300. And they answered with a question mark on the end. 300? 300. Not 300. 300? <laughs> and so my my question was 300. So why not 3,000? I think I said 3,500. And straight away, they went, oh, we can't possibly do that. And it was the, the room lit up. Well, sorry, that table in the room lit up there. Boom. No, we can't do that. I said, why can't you do that? And they said, well, we don't have enough fields. Boom. I wrote fields on the whiteboard. We don't have enough coaches. I wrote coaches on the whiteboard. We don't have enough volunteers. I wrote volunteers on the whiteboard. We don't have enough money. I wrote money on the whiteboard. We don't have enough space. I went, right, we don't have enough space. 
the crux of it is this is in a, a town in central Queensland where there probably aren't three and a, a, enough people to support a three and a half thousand members strong association. But straight away, they they went, oh, so those aren't actually things that are missing. Those are just steps that we need to take. So as soon as you've removed the barriers to their strategic thinking, they were already doing it. That, yeah, but just by asking, what, so why can't you do it? Boom, they came up with the answers of what they would need to get. So we'd need more money. Then what's the next question? How do we get more money? So to take this discussion to another level, Steve, what I wanted to do is not just focus on the thinking big and it's okay to, to think big because you're better at, to come up short on greatness than succeed with mediocrity and to say that there are some people, and this has been a challenge that's been leveled directly at me and maybe against you, I'm not sure, from shall we say, some less strategic thinkers. And you've got to realize that every committee will be made up of all different types of personalities. And some of them need to be very strategic thinkers and really, really out there and and love the thrill of change and the uncertainty of what tomorrow may bring. But there are others, there should, there should be, and there typically will be, others on a committee who are far more reserved to the point of being fearful of change and having a really, really strong need for certainty in their lives. So this is now to say, how do we strike the balance? And so a really good goal will be one like that, that says three and a half thousand. That might not be, however, contrary to probably the the message that, that we're trying to get across in episode 22, that might not be the goal that you write down in the plan. The goal that you write down in the plan does need to be a goal that you can achieve within the timeframe of the plan. So if we're talking a three-year plan, what is reasonable and given our level of resources and resourcefulness and all of the above, what is what what can we do and how hard do we want to push ourselves in this particular area? Because if you've got goals on a range of different topics or planning pillars, if you want to call them pillars, then membership might be one goal, but you might have another goal for facilities. You might have or other goals for facilities. You might have other goals for volunteer recruitment and volunteer development. So it's not just one. So what's the priority that we want to put on membership growth? And what are the other things, what are the other pieces of the puzzle that also need to be lined up before that can fall into place? So starting with that really big goal might be, okay, in 15 years' time, we're going to be a three and a half thousand member strong association. Great. Now, how do we break that down? And this is the point for today's episode is how do we now break that down into year by year or, or chunk by chunk goals? So it might be all right, well, if 15 years is five three-year plans or three five-year plans, depending on your planning horizon. And by the way, I would typically suggest three for clubs because in three years, either you've done everything in the plan or you've done everything in the plan that you're going to do anyway. And the world changes so much in three years. And how many new, com- how many committees is that? So by three years, it's typically time to redo it. So that's five planning horizons in there. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do in, what do we need to be doing in each of those planning horizons? So we're chunking down a big goal and creating smaller goals within that, but they're still goals leading to the bigger picture. You remember a saying, most people overestimate what they can do in a year, and I'm absolutely guilty of that. When I started in this yep. job, particularly doing lots and lots of strategic plans with clubs, I used to think that I could fix every problem in a club in a year. Now I realize that I can't even identify every problem in a club in a year. And by the time the next year comes around, there's a lot of new people. And guess what? New problems. New problems. But they underestimate what they can achieve in a decade. So when you take that longer-term planning horizon and you look into the future, don't underestimate it. And it's because, you know, when we talked about marketing, and I think I used the analogy of a, a freight train or a car, you know, with its inertia, when when it stopped, 
inertia is the tendency of an object to remain in its present state of motion. When your planning is at, at zero kilometers an hour, you're stopped. It's very hard to get it going. And that's certainly true with marketing, but you ramp it up and you commit to it for three years. Then after that time, the effort that you need to keep the train going is very, very little. It's just powering along under its own momentum. Then, then its inertia is moving and it has a tendency to stay moving. And so you just need to feed it a little bit at a time and it then keeps rocketing on. So that's exactly the same with what we're talking about here. You don't underestimate what you can achieve over the long term. And then all you need to do is say, okay, well, if that's what we want in this planning pillar to have three and a half thousand members, what do, what do we need to be getting to by the first three years? And the first three years, given that we're not actually moving yet, and we've got a whole lot of other pieces of the puzzle to get lined up first, guess what? The goal that we might put in the plan for the first three years might be 300 because mm. of all of these other things, we've, but then you draw a little line in, in this web that that goes between everything in the plan. And it says, oh, but we also need to have a, a coach recruitment and development program. We also need a facility plan and a facility development program and a volunteer recruitment plan and a volunteer development program. So these are all things that start. But then once we've got those in place, then the jump for our next three-year plan that we'll be doing in three years time could be from 300 to 500. So that's then a big difference, but we've laid the foundations and the infrastructure for being able to grow that much. And then it might continue to go to grow from there. But over 15 years, that's five plans that's that you've got a lot of opportunities for growth there. And, and okay, well, how do we get more fields? Do we have to build them? No, because there might be other fields. There might be amalgamation opportunity. We've talked about amalgamation on the podcast. There might be amalgamation opportunities, consolidation opportunities, streamlining opportunities to to be able to consolidation to be able to get more more organizations into even into one so that we're operating out of multiple facilities. So there's so many opportunities, but you've just got to start with that big picture. And then break it down into those three-year chunks. Mm. And what I'm thinking as you're talking here is that a lot of our listeners might be listening with a degree of disagreement. You know, oh, this is all well and good for that club, you know, in, in that location, aiming for that number of members. But I think it's important just to point to the fact that we're not only talking about goals here to grow membership and even if we are talking membership, you might be, as an organization, better placed, you know, rather because we work with a lot of organizations that are at capacity in terms of the number of members that they accommodate right now. And for a, whether it's a strategic decision or for any number of other reasons, they might be a club that says, we don't want to grow, but maybe we want to attract a different type of membership, or maybe we want more members in a certain category of membership mm. rather than a category which we've currently got a lot of members in. But again, we're not only talking about membership goals here. So I, I just thought that a really good way for people to think as they're listening through what you just talked through is to wherever their mind goes in their club to think, yeah, sure, setting big goals is great, but it, it couldn't possibly apply in this area of our club. And I think that applying this exact thinking in that area is probably exactly where you needed. should start. That's yeah. right. Because if yeah. your mind goes there, then that may well be the area in which your organization stands to benefit the most if you make some significant change. Yeah. And have that long term. So yes, think big, but be thinking big for the longer term, recognizing that you can achieve far more in 10 or 15 years than you than you think you can. And don't necessarily overcook it in the first year. 
and then that breaks that so the next logical step is and this is obviously when you get into action planning and we'll talk about that when we get to that episode is just then take down the t- t- write down the steps that you need to take to achieve that first goal and then what you've got because you've got the big picture the long-term picture already painted you just need to look up every now and again and go yep still on track and then keep toiling away but you know that the toiling you're doing is toil of value and not just churning or spinning the wheels for no value it's taking you towards that bigger picture goal and this is why it's so important and why in the last few years we've really started to complement the strategic planning process with the action planning process as you say that we'll talk through in an upcoming episode Yes. So there you go, Steve. That's what I think is the most fun part of a planning exercise is looking into the future and literally painting that picture. And by the way, if you struggle to come up with good goals, literally try drawing a picture. Now, again, people are going Even to if say, you think you're a crap drawer. <laughs> oh, but I can't draw, Michael. I don't know what I'm doing. Is that a better voice? I don't know how to draw. Everybody knows how to draw. You go into a kindy, Steve. Go into yep. a kindy. Vori's at kindy now in daycare. You go in there and for the kids who obviously of, of an age where they can talk and say, put your hand up if you can draw. How many hands go up? 100%. Every single one. Take exactly the same cohort and 13 years later when they're in grade 12, ask them the same question. Who can draw? And they say, oh, not me, not me. And they'll point to the one kid who's good at art and say, oh, they're the, they're the drawer. You know, they're the artist. Get them to draw. Uh-uh, sugar. Everyone can draw. So li- stick people are fine. Yes. And... And it's amazing once you break down that barrier, the 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 creativity that comes out. Okay, yeah, the pictures aren't going to go and replace a Rembrandt in a museum, uh, an art gallery, but they are still so telling. They still really capture what they because a vision is called a vision because we should be able to see it. Remember, so yes, so literally draw the picture. So thank you, Steve, for joining me on this journey of basket casey goodness and talking about strategic planning again. We will continue next time. I think we're up to the SWOT analysis next time, but we'll be talking about how to actually make the bloody thing useful and not what I read in a guide somewhere. Ah, the SWOT analysis. The crap that we write on butcher's paper, stick on the wall, and then let it look at us for the rest of the planning session while we don't do anything about it. That's all we'll we'll be focusing on next time. Uh, Thank you to Jess, of course, our lovely producer and editor who makes us sound spectacular. If you're not already following us on social media, make sure you do so. Sign up for our newsletter at cprgroup.com.au. And as always, you can continue to contact us with other ideas for new series or new episodes that you'd like us to do. And Steve, thanks. I look forward to chatting strategic planning with you again soon. Soon, soon, soon. Look forward to it. (laughs) My pleasure. See ya. See ya.